Washington football. Woo! Everybody and welcome to the Burgundy Zone. I am your host Kyle, and I am joined by my two co-hosts, Michael Hall and Michael Reed. But we are joined by very special guest from across the country, Mr. Fernando Ramirez. How are you doing, sir? Reporter for Sports good. Illustrated, covering the, the LA Chargers. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm good. I appreciate. It. I heard three or four hours, fifteen minutes. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, <laughs> but I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited. Of I course. was just yanking your chain. It's only like 15, 20 minutes. I just wanted okay, to see right. how you would respond to it. Honestly, I'm, I'm down for anything. People you were game. I love you were, to talk, so. You were game. You were like, I'll go 24 hours, I guess. But <laughs> but I have, I, have to, I have to jump up to Costa Mesa. I still live in San Diego, so I still oh, do that commute oh, up to Costa Mesa. So uh, it's about an hour and 15. So I can okay. talk to you guys while I'm driving, but that's a little dangerous. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't advise that for you. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, the Burgundy Zone is part of Listen Frederick, a curated network network of local prop bod podcasts produced in and focused on the Frederick area. Along with highlighting local talent, Listen Frederick hopes to bring local stories, voices, and personalities together to create a podcast community. Listen Frederick is part of the Manning Media family, home of Key 103 and 106.9 The Eagle. You can check out more about us and the other shows on the network at www.listenfrederick.com. Now, to start this off, Fernando, the first round pick where Sean Slater was arguably the best tackle in the draft it looks like you guys got him how has he looked so far in camp and are you guys in the fan base confident with Rashawn Slater going up against this defensive unit with Montez Sweat and Chase Young well uh the, obviously the charge needed help at the offensive line Brandon Saley came in he noticed that that was a big weakness he goes out he gets Corey Lindsley who dominated his uh his St. Uh, his St. Louis Rams my bad his LA Rams in the playoffs <laughs> Uh, he, he, he literally has brought a breath of fresh air and then they go out and it's funny Rashawn Slater falls into their lap and you're kind of like, wow, like everything's going. And then you think, oh, maybe Dallas is going to get him to revamp that offensive line. They go Micah Parsons. Cause obviously that defense needs help. And you're like, wow, Rashawn Slater fell into, into the Chargers lap. Je Daniel Jeremiah, a lot of other analysts had, uh, had Slater pegged ahead of, uh, of Panay Sewell. So that was pretty interesting as well. The charge obviously kept him at left tackle. We obviously know the Lions have switched Pineda right tackle. But uh, Rashawn's been everything that uh, that fans had hoped for and more. Um, during training camp, I mean, there was a time where he went up against Joey Bosa. He did really well against Joey. And you're just like, oh, crap. Could this kid really be the, um, the real deal? And he has looked at like it so far. Uh, obviously, he's going back to facing the guy that made him kind of, in a sense, made him famous going up against Chase Young. Mm. Really, when they went up against Ohio State Northwestern, that's what really put Rashawn Slater on the map. Uh, he's acknowledged it. He acknowledged it twice after the draft. So he really uh, he really has been everything that the Chargers have ho had hoped for. And I think more just because of last year they had Sam Tevy. They had a lot of problems on the offensive line, and now you kind of fix those. <clears throat> You get Rashawn Slater. Now it's about can this offensive line uh, build cohesion? Brian Bulaga, the right tackle, has been a little bit shaky here and there. With uh, if he is he going to play? Is he not? Brandon Saley said on Monday that they still didn't know that they were going to uh, watch his progress this week. But it seems like the rest of the offensive line is defined by who they have already. So Rashawn's been everything that the Chargers had hoped for and more. Uh, it seems like they really do have their future left tackle for the next ten to fifteen years. 
Uh, and on draft night, he said the perfect thing. He said, they asked him, do you have a message for Justin Herbert? He's like, I got your back, man. So there you go. So you go. that was something that the fan base needed to hear. And that was something that obviously uh, the Chargers wanted to hear. So he he literally has done a lot of really good things. Uh, when it comes, and then going up against Joey Bosa, like I said, is if there's that <laughs> if you need if you want one guy helping you out, that's Joey Bosa. And Joey really, I've watched Joey come over and and explain to him, I'm using my hands like this. You should do this. You should try and do that. So it's been pretty interesting to watch uh, the maturation of Rashawn Slater in his first training camp. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Brian Beluga is a, uh, possibly being questionable going into this game. Do you see him trending towards playing on Sunday? And if not, can you give us a little bit of information on Storm Norton, his backup? And also, do you think he will be up to the task of handling this defensive line with first four, uh, four first-round picks on it? So, I mean, Brian Bulaga is obviously a Pro Bowl right tackle. Last year, he really he was one of the big free agent signings that everybody was excited about. And he really didn't play all that much last year. He came in, uh, he had a couple of injuries. When he came back in, it was uh, he would play three plays and then he'd get knocked out of the game. So mm-hmm. it was really growing. It was everything, groin, shoulder, this, that. So there was really a long list of injuries last year when it came to Brian Bulaga. And I think he only played in like six games, four full games, I think it was. So that's that's not a recipe. The charge of Brandon Saley's done everything he can possible to keep Brian Bulaga healthy this offseason. He sat him during practices. He sat him all during preseason games. He sat him during the joint practice against the the 49ers one of the days. So he's done everything and and he still I think right now he has a groin slash hip flexor which is like two combined injuries so you're kind of mm-hmm. it's I don't you don't know if he's going to play. I really don't know if he's going to play because one day I see him on the sideline working out by himself with a training coach and you're like, oh, this doesn't look good because he's in street clothes. I mean, in regular sweatpants, T-shirt, hat. And then the next day you see him in pads. So you're kind of like, OK, like, what is it? Is he? Is he not? Mm-hmm. So uh, we haven't gotten any, any indication yet. I think by Friday we should have a good feeling. But Storm Norton's an XFL guy. Um, he's been all right. I mean, there. There, there's a drop-off. There is a drop-off when you go from Brian Bulaga to Storm Norton. Now, can the rest of the offensive line pick up the slack? That's going to be interesting just because Storm Norton played a couple of times last year and it wasn't pretty. This year, he's kind of had a little bit of a stronger camp, but not all that much better than you would kind of hope. You, you always want your backups to be as, I mean, almost to the same level as your starters. And Storm Norton is a little bit of a it's a little bit of a drop off and it's a little bit of a drop off if Trey Pipkins gets in there as well. So they've both had a kind of an up and down roller coaster kind of training camp. So uh, if the Chargers have Storm Norton starting it, it, it uh, it's it it might be a, a kind of a long day for Justin Herbert if uh, if Storm Norton does play on Sunday, which the Chargers, I'm guessing, are going to try and and uh, avoid and have Bulaga play. But you just don't know. Right. Hey, well, at least Storm Norton has an awesome name. That's a, that's a good thing. There you go. <laughs> hey, there's been there's a forest. There was a forest lamp a couple of years ago on I, the Chargers. I remember forest. Yeah. I love for, forest. Uh, yeah, yeah. Out. Then they, it's a they shame. have injuries. A, yeah, they have a forest on the practice squad, and then uh, they obviously have Storm Norton. So they have right. they have a bunch of different uh, crazy yeah. names on the team. 
forest lamp it's so funny his parents must have been such hippies like what is a forest lamp you know you know like, what's funny is that, that he purpose. actually he actually got a sponsorship from like this lamp company from like sweden <laughs> and, oh, there you go. yeah yeah and they were like hey just because they sent us all an email just because storm's leaving the chargers doesn't mean that his sponsorship will end and they had like <laughs> him, him literally holding a lamp and all this it was just hilarious that's so funny uh, but you you mentioned justin herbert obviously he, he's the talk of the town he's supposed to be one of the next big stars in the nfl he came in he took the league by storm i'm not gonna lie i scouted him when he was coming out one thing that worried me was his accuracy issues he, he seemed to really struggle with that but he comes to the nfl doesn't really seem to be an issue at all the guy is hitting his stride what seems to be the next step and what do you guys want to see from justin herbert so basically for when you go to that i think it was more the talent around him at oregon like yep. if you would have put him at LSU or you would have put him at Alabama, he might have had better numbers yep. than Tua or Joe Burrow. So that's really what I, that like coming out. I had Joe Burrow number one, and I actually had Justin at a close one B, mm. and then I had Tua a little bit a lot lower than both of them, just because I thought that those two guys were far beyond better than Tua. But um, but obviously Justin's kind of settled down a little bit. Uh, I, I think it helps when you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and, and kind of some of these playmakers. I think next it's going to be obviously if he can have, I mean, hell, if he can have a season like last year, I think the organization would be pretty happy with it. It was a good season. Now it's about taking care of the football. Obviously every week consistency, you have to see consistency from him. But really I think there's either two ways he's going to take this. Either he's going to have a similar season to last year, kind of in that 35 to 40 touchdown range around 4,500 yards or he could just completely blow up and have that Lamar right. Jackson Patrick Mahomes second season where you're like oh crap this kid is really the next coming and here he comes which honestly uh I've, I've been watching him during training camp and obviously going up against the same defense you're kind of like uh eh. but then against the joint, joint practice against the 49ers the ball probably touched the ground in two days probably twice mm. He didn't throw any interceptions, didn't throw anything into the other, the opposing uh, receiver's arms. You know, it's funny. We actually did a tally on him. He threw seven interceptions during training camp. Two of them were, no, one of them was actually an interception. The rest of the six, he had either been touched down or the play had been called dead and he just threw it mm. and it was an interception. So he really only threw one wow. pick. And he's really been on it. He, I, I think he's kind of, I don't want to say he's mastered this offense just because there's still things you obviously have to see. I mean, obviously right. the whole camp was vanilla. It was a little vanilla. We didn't get to see him throw down the field, all this stuff. Obviously, why? Because they want to save it for the games. That's why Justin didn't play in preseason. That's why Keenan didn't play. Mike, none of these guys played because they want to wait until week one. So really, we're not going to get a like you can see all of us writing all this different stuff about how we think the offense is going to be. But really, we're not going to see it until it's actually on the field in Washington on Sunday and that's when you're really going to get a sense of what this offense is that's why I say I think Justin could literally have if he had a Patrick Mahomes Lamar Jackson second season I wouldn't be surprised just because you've seen the maturation he understands everything he won the Heisman for intelligence as a student uh his last year at Oregon so right. he's really a smart kid I interviewed his dad last year for a story I did and I asked him what makes your son tick or what what is it about him he's like I don't know what to tell you the kid's just smart he sees a play on the like he sees plays or he reads the playbook he could read it once he could read you a book once and he can write you a 10,000 uh page book report mm. on what Jesus. made the, the book so well and I'm like oh crap <laughs> so he's like all three of my kids should have been doctors I think only two of them are going to be doctors now and one of them might be a pretty good uh, 
uh, a pretty good quarterback, and I just started laughing. <laughs> so, um, so, and the other thing is too, guys. Justin doesn't let this crap or, or doesn't let the hype get to his head. Mm. He doesn't run his He's own. Very social camera media. shy. I love yeah. it. He doesn't run My his own social media. Right he doesn't run. Uh, he doesn't like social media. He doesn't like listening to the noise. He doesn't watch ESPN. He doesn't watch NFL Network. Doesn't watch any of that stuff. So he's completely away. We ask him like, "Oh, what makes you so great?" He's like, "I'm not great. I'm just good. Like I happen to be good at football." And you just laugh and you're like, "You know what?" Joey summed it up pretty well the other day. He told me he's like, "This guy's so good." that I don't think he realizes he's freaking good. Like, mm. he's that good, and I just started laughing. So it's just one of those things. So you just want to see the continuation of the building of the offense, him understanding it, him uh, having cohesion with uh, some of the new weapons like Josh Palmer, Jared Cook, uh, obviously some of the running backs. So definitely if you see that and, and him just keep on building from last year, I think it is going to be a really good season uh, for Herbert. And I know that fans in the organization is hoping – that him having a good season translate into a playoff, at least wild card, uh, if not challenging the Chiefs for the division. Yeah, I'm glad I saved this question for you because you essentially just shot it down before I did. <laughs> there, uh, so what I'm going to ask you is, I know you haven't seen much of the offense, but with the weapons that are there on the offense for Justin Herbert, you talked about Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen is there as well. But with the defensive front and with this defense altogether for Washington, how do you see the Chargers and the first-year head coach of Brandon Staley attacking this defense? Well, I, I think it's going to be uh, maybe some screen passes, maybe some uh, some kind of short routes, slant routes, some, something where Justin doesn't hold the ball – all right. that long on to just because you don't want him to take any of those unnecessary hits last year if you saw a lot of justin's really nice plays where he held onto the ball there were good plays but justin took shots in him that 53 right. yard touchdown pass to tyron johnson he had vita vea and jpp right in his face he throws the pass and he gets knocked to the ground the Chargers don't want that so i think what justin's really grown in this training camp is his three-step drop. Last year, he wasn't able to do a three-step drop. Mm. In three seconds, he'd already have guys in his face. This year, he's able to drop back a little bit. Corey Lindsley is able to control things at center. The guards are better. The uh, the tackles are a lot better. So he's able to hold on to it and step drop, boom, pass. So I, I think that's the way they're going to try and attack these guys. Uh, Keenan Allen, I mean, we all know he's one of the best route runners in the NFL. He's able to get off, off quick. If the guy, if the cornerback is on him, He's able to release quickly. If the cornerback's off, he's just going to tear the guy apart. Now, the only thing is Mike Williams, uh, he's more of a long ball kind of receiver. Well, the Chargers are saying that they're going to use him in kind of that Michael Thomas role. So you're going to see slants. Mm. You're going to see in routes, out routes, slants. You're going to see a lot of different things from Mike Williams. So that's going to be key, too. Can Mike get open? Can Josh Palmer get open? That's going to be the question. But Keenan Allen, honestly, all training camp. Didn't matter if it was against San Francisco, against his own team. Keenan was open at all times. So that's going to be really the interesting part. And then Jared Cook, I think that's a lot that hasn't been made of is the connection between Jared Cook and, and Herbert. They mm. really grew a lot during training camp. I Personally, Donald Parham, tight end, who I think mm. he was with Washington for a little bit uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So Donald Parham has really grown this training camp. He's six foot eight. Jared Cook, I've been saying all season or all offseason that I think combined they're going to score 15 to 20 touchdowns this season just because wow. they're so big, they're so tall that in the end zone, they're in the red zone, they're just going to be looked at left and right. And I just think that those two combined as a tight end combo could have a huge year for the Chargers. But yeah, I think that's the way they're going to attack them. They're going to try and work quickly, work efficiently, and try and not turn the ball over.
Right. <clears throat> and let's flip to the other side of the ball. Uh, obviously, Joey Bosa is one of the top edge rushers in the league. He had another guy opposite on the other side, Melvin Gordon. You guys lost him in free agency to Pittsburgh. Melvin Ingram. Uh, or, yeah, I said Melvin Gordon. Melvin Ingram to Pittsburgh. Well, they lost Melvin Gordon a couple years ago. Oh, too. don't worry. <laughs> uh, every, all, all of us journalists still get confused. Last year, we all said, we asked, uh, so one of us asked uh, Anthony Lynn, hey, so what does it feel like to have Melvin Gordon back on the field? It's like, Melvin Gordon? Yeah. And, he's like, <laughs> and he's like, I think he's doing well in Denver the last time I talked to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Melvin Ingram gets uh, loses him in the free agency to Pittsburgh. Who's going to be stepping in opposite him? And do you think that will affect Joey Bosa and his pass rush, not having that that other stud uh, pass rusher opposite him? Well, the guy's been Kyler Fackrell. He's the guy from the – he was with the Giants last year. Year right. before, he was with the Green Bay Packers. With the Packers, he had 10.5 sacks two years ago, and that's with Zadarius Smith on opposite side of him. So, really, I think I think uh, Kyler Fackrell is going to have a big year just because Joey Joey's going to grab a, gravitate a lot of the – attention which is going to leave uh god i forgot his name linval joseph jerry tillery uh justin jones some of these guys are going to get open and it's going to be their job to get these sacks and that's the problem in the last few years they haven't been able to do that they haven't wrapped up the off the the quarterback and that's when the quarterback's gotten loose and made big plays so really the chargers defensive line has to be disciplined and let guys kind of fall into Fackrell and Joey Bosa's arms. But Fackrell, I think, is in for a big year. Him and Uchenna Nwosu, I think, are going to be rotating. Also, uh, fourth-round uh, rookie Chris Rumpf should get a little bit of the action. He's a little bit longer, a little bit faster. Chargers want to put some meat on his bones uh, before, but you have to play him. You have to give the, little, the, the rookie some time. And he's more of the Leonard Floyd kind of guy, like – fast aggressive he just mm. needs to put on that weight and he could really look like leonard floyd but uh but definitely 100 percent. i think the Chargers are excited about kyler fackrell uh he's he's a guy that really is a blue collar guy kind of guy that works hard he's been working hard all all off season and and really a spot that a lot of people thought oh this is uchenna nuosu's 100 now it's turned into it looks like it's going to be kyler fackrell and uchenna is going to be the the backup mm -hmm. but i really do think the charge are going to be interchanging guys in and out they're going to keep guys fresh so there's going to be a healthy rotation but as a starter i think it's going to be kyler uh fackrell that's going to be the starter okay right so keeping it on the defense as we know you guys have so many playmakers over there on defense i mean you look at derwin james especially over there in the secondary but one one person who i am very interested in seeing how he plays is asante samuel jr i want to see how he he if he follows in his father's footsteps how has he looked in camp how has he looked in the preseason and uh do you see him making a big impact year one the thing about uh i think i really do think that behind the quarterback i think corner is the hardest position to transition to from college to the oh, nfl yes. uh that's what i've been telling fans i'm like hey you guys need to be careful because asante samuel jr is gonna is gonna do one of two things either you're gonna love him for the plays that he's gonna make but he's also gonna have some plays where you're gonna get frustrated with him why because he's learning and that's the thing it's fine to get i mean sometimes you look at i remember i looked at richard sherman's first year and he got blown past a lot of times because it, it was his first year that's what's going to happen everybody should know it's going to happen so asante's really i think this year he's going to have incredible plays where he could have a 60 yard pick six but then he's going to have plays where he gives up a, a 40 yard pass which right. is i mean obviously it just comes with the territory it comes with being a rookie but i really do see a lot of his dad in him i know that he doesn't really like speaking about it but 
I, I, it just, it just looks too similar. I watched his dad play when I was a kid, and I loved watching him play. Mm-hmm. Dante Samuel Senior was one of my favorite players to watch, just because he was so small, so gritty, so aggressive. He would celebrate every positive play, and I'm sorry, but that's just who Asante is. Asante does the exact same thing. There was a play in training camp. He went one on one against. Um, I think it was against Jason Moore, just a receiver. Locks him up. Justin's not be able to get off a throw. He runs over, goes like this to Justin Herbert, and goes, you couldn't get it off. And you just start looking, and you're like, wow, rookie, you want to chirp at the starting quarterback. This is interesting. And, like, Derwin comes up and celebrates with him. So, yeah, I definitely think that Asante is going to be a good player for the Chargers, but it's just going to be – he's going to have an up-and-down season, and I think fans need to prepare themselves for the possibility that that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a roller coaster kind of year for him, but there is going to be a lot of really good that fans are going to be able to see and the organization is going to be able to see. Now a two-part question for you. I'll, I'll ask the second question after you answer the first one here, Fernando. To wrap this up, X factors for each team in order for them to win this Sunday. Um, so one for the Chargers and one for the Washington football team. Washington football team. What, the, what do they have to do? What do they have to win at in order to secure the victory? I think Ryan Fitzmagic has to be Fitzmagic. He can't. He can't be. He has to be the guy that comes out and slings the football if they want to win. He can't turn the ball over. Sometimes he can give you three touchdowns, he can give you three interceptions as well. I mean, we've seen it before. So if the, if Washington wants to win, it's going to have to be Ryan Fitzpatrick leading it. Uh, if the Chargers are going to win this weekend, the X factor has to be. Shoot. Oh. Uh, Ray Sean Slater. If Ray Sean Slater is able to kind of clamp down on Chase Young, then, uh, and I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other talent on that offensive line. But if I have to look at one player, if Ray, if Rashawn Slater has a good game against Chase Young and whoever else he's up against, then uh, that means that Justin Herbert should have a clean pocket mm-hmm. um, most of the ap- afternoon. And that means he's going to be able to uh, operate. But what a hell of a first game to get for uh, Rashawn Slater. You get Chase Young. You get to go up against them, so that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, and that being said, the last question I have for you, what is your prediction for the game on Sunday? Uh, so, I mean, it's going to come out later this week in, an art- in my SI article, but I really do – I think I ha- I think I have the Chargers 27, Washington 19. Okay. Uh, I just I- – I think that the Chargers are, are on the on the cusp of something really good. I just feel like, what is that going to be? How is it going to look? And that's the thing with me, not with us, not knowing how this offense is going to look, how the defense is going to look. There is a lot of excitement around the building. So that's the thing. I I haven't really seen that in in the years that I've been around the team since 2013, started off as an intern, worked my way up. And now I'm at SI and I didn't see, I have never seen this kind of level of excitement for a season so uh, that's why i mean i have them winning the first game but this game could really go either way i just think washington is so talented i think they have so many weapons on offense they have so many weapons on defense but uh but the reason why i went with the charge winning is because um to me washington's secondary is a little up and down Mm. so and if you have an up and down kind of secondary with a guy like keenan allen on the opposite side i just think keenan's gonna be uh i know thanksgiving's in uh in november but i think keenan's gonna be feasting all day long but mm-hmm. like i said it's just it's just right now my opinion but uh but yeah i have the charge winning that's fine but real quick last just real quick last yeah, one yeah, yeah, yeah are you in with regards to brandon staley not playing the starters with it being his first year do you think that's more of a detriment more so than a positive in order for them to keep the eyes off their offense 
No, I, I thought it was – well, yeah, I thought it was smart for him to do it. Just this team has been plagued with injuries. By this time, right. in the last two years, Derwin was already out. By this time, three yep. years ago, Joey Bosa was already out. By this time, four years ago, Hunter Henry was already out. Mm. So why do you want to risk anything like that? You might as well should just sit all these guys, let them wait. And then uh, Brandon Saley thought that the practices were a lot tougher on the players than any of these games were. So that's saying a lot. I mean, literally – you probably have about a top five offense going up against a top five defense in practice every single day. So they're challenging, they're fighting, they're going, uh, they're going all the way, but it's, it's, it's honestly been interesting, but I have a question for you guys before I go. Okay. Can I ask it? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you now watching what you know about Justin Herbert, do you guys wish that, uh, that Washington would have gone Herbert over chase young or are you guys fine with the pick? Um, I'll, I'll always, I look, I love Justin Herbert. I do. And we need a franchise quarterback. God, we need a franchise quarterback so bad. But I just I saw think it on social Chase media. Some, I saw some Washington defense, fan put it out important. there. Yeah, so that's yeah, why I've I was, seen that. That's, yeah. I dwelled on it for a while, but I think what Chase brings to this defense is so important and it really puts this defense over the top. Yeah, and look, I've come to the uh, assessment that basically Washington will never have a franchise quarterback. <laughs> and what we have to do is that we have to build a, a good enough team in order to carry us through a championship and to get there. That's the way we're going to have to do it. It's not going to be through the franchise. But like Reed said so perfectly, the Washington, especially on defense, has kind of missed the toughness, the confidence, the strength that Chase Young brings along with Ron Rivera. I, I think it's a perfect relationship. It's just one of those things that was meant to be. You know, he's a, he grew up in the area. Uh, and what he brings his defense is exactly what we have needed for many, many years. So, unfortunately, I, I still – I'm not saying unfortunately, but I'm, I'm still going with Chase Young. Yeah, I'm with them. Um, I mean, I was a huge Justin Herbert guy. I'm a huge college football fan, so I've known about Herbert since he stepped foot on Oregon's campus. And I like him, obviously, at number two, no one really thought of him like as a like, yeah. pick. So, I'm happy with Chase Young. Like they said, like the leadership he brings, kind of the, the swag that he brings to the team everyone on the team. He's already a team captain in his rookie year. So I just think that Chase was the right piece for this team right now and for them building what they're building right now. So I'm happy with there's, Chase. Obviously, Herbert is a, is a yeah. phenomenal quarterback. But There's a lot of really good rookie quarterbacks coming out in next year's draft, which yeah. I'm sure Washington will try and get their hands on. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right. And I will say I am happy. I have a friend that is a Chargers fan. I'm glad that you guys were able to get Phillip Rivers' replacement immediately. Yeah. Did not waste all that, um, waste any time in regards to that. So that is good for you guys. I'm really happy for y'all. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, honestly, I'm going to be at the game. I'm going to be covering the game on Sunday. I'm excited because I see the jerseys behind you guys. Mm. And to me, man, when I when I watch Sean Taylor play with the passion, with the love, I'm like, damn, like this guy was something else. Like I remember, yeah. why, I remember the day that he passed. I was like, dude, like it, it felt like an uncle had gone just because he was just such a great player, such a great person, such a great talent. They're like, dang, like what could have been? And like, I know a lot of people compare uh, Derwin James to Sean mm. Taylor in a sense, but man, I just remember Sean Taylor was the first <clears throat> linebacker looking kind of safety. safety yeah. And yeah. he would just knock guy. man, that Pro Bowl highlight yeah. where he knocks that punter <laughs> out like that. Like, I know people will get up and they're like, hey, man, it's the Pro Bowl. But that's the kind of passion you have to play with in every day, no matter what, yeah. when you put on those pads. So it was just awesome. And I can't wait to be there on Sunday and kind of take that in and know that Sean Taylor hit that field and he hit it hard. So I'm excited for that. But, hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was awesome. 
And whenever, if you guys ever need me again, I'm I'm definitely down to come on. Well, definitely for yes. you. I'll be oh, hitting yeah. you up and having you back on. You were incredible. Appreciate Thank it. you so much for yes. all the insight you gave us into the Chargers. I feel like I know your entire team now. Uh, I can't thank <laughs> yeah. you enough, Fernando. If you would like Have to, before you get out of here, you want to plug your uh, your your social media uh, handles in case people want to find your work. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I'm at Real F Ramirez on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Hey, I'm even on TikTok. I got I, I've been throwing out some things out there. I, I asked George Kittle. Hey, I went viral the other day actually. George Kittle. I asked him who you got in WrestleMania, John Cena or Roman Reigns. He got excited to ask to answer the question. So I was like, okay, cool. So I'm on TikTok as well. Uh, but I appreciate I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. And again, have a great one and. Uh, and thank you again. Of course. And yeah. best of luck yeah. to you this weekend. Hopefully yes. both teams stay healthy. Right, Fernando? Yeah. You yep, have a good exactly. one, sir. Thank you so much. Thank we'll you. see you soon. Yeah. All right, everybody. We just spoke with the man Fernando, reporter for Sports Illustrated, covering the Los Angeles Chargers in the big matchup coming this weekend. He brought a lot of great insight. But before yeah. we get into our fan questions from all of our great guys, let's talk about the Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month. It is that time, guys, and we want to bring awareness and show a lot of insight into people that generally deserve to get praised, to get talked about their accomplishments and what they do. And the first one that I'm starting with is Mrs. Maddie Smith. In 2020, at three years old, she was diagnosed with neuroblastoma. After five cycles of induction chemotherapy, tumor removal surgery, which removed 50% of the tumor, two stem cell transplants, 12 days of radiation, and six cycles of immunotherapy, she officially completed her treatment on May 6th of 2021. Great freaking job, Maddie. I can't thank you enough for all your work that you're doing. You, What a badass she is. But you know what? That doesn't stop her from doing everything that she likes to do. And I will tell you what, I loved toys growing up too, Maddie. I did too. That's all. Mm-hmm. Who are you covering today, Hall? Who's your MVP? I got 14-year-old Serenity. She's been fighting... A warrior right there. Yeah, Sarah. She's a huge warrior. She's been biting, fighting a battle since she was been born. Within the last six months, she was diagnosed with B-cell, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. But that doesn't stop her. She, she loves animals. Look, I'm a huge animal guy. I got my dog right here laying next to me. I love animals myself. She loves Pokemon. And who didn't love Pokemon growing up? I mean, mm-hmm. got to catch them all. I love Pokemon Go when it came out. Um, she's a huge fan of the Washington football team, as we all are. And all Ooh. we're going to do, you know I'm saying? Sunday's going to – hopefully Sunday we can go out against the Chargers. And we'll get this dove. You can cheer him on. And like I said, Serenity's a badass. And shout out to you. Good job. Hope everything Serenity. goes well. Who's yeah. your Who's your MVP of tonight, Reed? Well, we got my man Lucas. Lucas is battling metalloplastoma. I believe I said that right. I hope so. I tried to write it down so I could pronounce it right. But uh, Lucas's recent scans showed only two of six metastatic spots left on his brain, and they had decreased in size. The spot on his spine is almost gone, and most importantly, he has no new diseases. Uh, Lucas likes cars, trains, Spider-Man, Toy Story, Lightning McQueen. That's my I love kid Lightning right McQueen. Right. His favorite color is pink, and uh, Lucas has a private warrior page called Lucas's Prayer Warriors, so make sure that you guys check that out. 
Good job, Lucas. Yes, and again, we were provided with these kids to show awareness to them and give them a spotlight to be able to show how much of a how awesome they are and the kind of strength that they show. Because if I was put in that position at their race, dude, I'm not sure if I'd be able to come out the other side like they are. It just shows yeah. how strong willed they are and how strong they are as people. And we were provided with them by the hog farmers, you know, Chris Bryant and uh, Jeff Reinhardt. Joe Hall, we have Keith as well over there. Thank you guys for supplying us with these kids to be able to give the spotlight to them. Now, let's move on to our fan questions. And our first one is from our guy, Mike Puckett, who is in the Burgundy Zone Fantasy Football League. We all know we drafted yesterday. His question for us, it's a fantasy football-based question. I'll start with you, Hall. What are the chances of you beating him in fantasy this year? <laughs> um, I like hey, to think of myself as a – yeah, he does have a stacked team. But I like to think of myself as a fantasy expert, some could say. In our big league, I've been in the Super Bowl three times. And that's like one of the most competitive leagues that I've been in over all these fantasy football years. Uh, everyone in that league knows their stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident because I'm pretty confident in my fantasy football knowledge. Yes. and I am, stack team, though. I am very confident that you will beat my team, uh, Mike. And the reason for that, I won that league last year. I felt bad doing it. So I kind of did things differently this year in our draft for Burgundy's, and I drafted people I wouldn't normally draft. So let's see how it works out. <laughs> let's see if it works out for the better or not. Uh, so I am very confident you'll be my team. Your team is absolutely stacked in all uh, all your starter spots. Yeah, uh, you're definitely uh, going to be my team. My team just when you really no, look at you're it, projected I, higher than he is. I know I am, but I don't feel that way. I really don't like my team that much, man. I, I really don't. Um, <laughs> but hey, it is what it is, and you know, I mean. I won three out of five leagues last year. All five of them I finished in the top four. So minor flex. You know, I mean, yeah, minor flex, NBD, but I'll probably end up winning. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, yep. Chances that you beat me, slim to none. Uh, prob <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You will. Probably. You more than likely will. Your yeah. team's legitimately stacked. Yeah. Now our next question is from our guy, Scott Hartley from the UK. Oi. Oi. Our brother. Oi. We're going to miss you this week. And he wants to know who, in your opinion, has the biggest impact on Sunday's outcome of the game. And his is Justin Herbert. So I'll start with you, Reed. Yeah, uh, kind of like we just heard. I, I think that our secondary in general, especially William Jackson the third, William Jackson and Kendall Fuller, those two are going to really need to step up against these good wide receivers. This defensive line, we know what they can do, but if, if the defensive line can get Justin Herbert and William Jackson the third can shut down Keenan Allen, I think we've got a very good chance to win this ball game. Yeah, um, for me, I'm probably. I'm probably going to go with Antonio Gibson. The running game is is very, very important for this team, especially going against Joey Bosa and everything. Being able to offset that pass rush, and you can do that greatly with being able to run the football effectively and then use Ryan Fitzpatrick's play-action ability off of it with the weapons supplied. So I think Antonio Gibson is the biggest impact there in order for them to win the game, in my personal opinion. If he can have a great game, average about four and a half, five yards per carry, I think Washington is in a great, great position to win. Yeah, uh, I was going to go with Antonio Gibson for all the uh, facts that you said, like control the clock, keep that high-powered offense off the field, and like I said, control the uh, time of possession. But since you went Antonio Gibson, I will go with the linebackers. I think that them against Jared Cook, like you heard Fernando mm. mention, you heard Fernando mention how Jared Cook's going to be a big red zone target. Everyone knows that the tight ends have been the Achilles heels of this defense for so many, true. many, many years. So freaking and on, true. Yeah. On top of that, you got a guy like Austin Eckler who can catch the ball at the backfield. Yeah. He's kind of a, a like a small type of twitchy guy, but also like a really powerful runner. And Herbert's so, a fairly think, mobile quarterback. 
Exactly. So I definitely think that uh, the linebackers staying with Jared Cook and keeping Austin Eckler contained is going to be the key to this matchup. Yep. Now, now, obviously, the biggest one, though, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. I mean, we can all pretty much agree on that. Yeah. And if uh, next question from Scott, and I'll stay with you, Hall. If you had no choice but to morph into an animal, what would it be and why? Hmm. That's a good one. I would probably go. Man, I'd probably go like cheetah. Cheetahs are tight. They're fast. And then I don't got to worry about, I mean, I guess I got to worry about like lions and everyone else trying to eat me, but I'm just so fast. I can just Tyreek Hill them. Just peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess a bald eagle, man. All day long. Woo-hoo. America. America. I, I'm going to pick something that I don't think anybody, I'm going to pick a fly. <laughs> I love shit, man. No, no, just, you know, I, I think it'd be cool to fly around. It'd be a little small. You can see 30 things at once. I don't even know if a fly is technically an animal, but I'm going with a fly. <laughs> I don't think it is. It's an insect, right? <laughs> Are insects animals? I don't think anybody ever taught me that. I don't know. Uh, now let's that's above that's above my pay grade. I was, I was gonna literally. I was just. I don't know. I just work here, man. I don't know. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Oh yeah. Our, our next question is from Rio of Rio of Rambling with Rio's podcast, Rambling about Washington. You can find him on YouTube, uh, iTunes, Spotify, all the great podcast platforms. He wants to know a fantasy football question. I don't know if it's PPR or not, but let's try to answer it the best way possible. He wants to know your flex spot. Should it go with Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, or Cole Beasley? Hmm. Hmm. I would go... It's easy for me. Yeah, I'd probably go Cole Beasley. Uh, I just think that he's coming off an all-pro year. I think that that's Josh, one of Josh Allen's favorite targets on the field. I think that he's going to work the middle of the field. Actually, they play each other. So I think he's going to work the middle of the field against Pittsburgh. And once uh, Cole Beasley gets into the red zone, he's also like a great target, all those crossing routes and intermediate routes. So I'll go Cole Beasley if it's PPR. Yeah, if you're looking for, you know, just to be able to have 10 points a game, yeah, go to Cole Beasley. That's your guy. Um, That's what you want to go with. But if you want to go for highest upside, it's Chase Claypool by far. Um, I had Juju last season, and what you saw with Juju in, against Washington where he had, like, three receptions for, like, seven yards or something ridiculous like that, that's essentially what you're getting with Juju. You're not getting explosion. You're not getting a touchdown receiver. You're s- strictly getting a possession wide receiver. And I think Claypool being the bigger weapon there and being younger, I think Coach Tom is probably a little bit over the Juju Smith-Schuster uh, TikTok bullcrap. Um, and so if I were to pick anyone there, I'm going with Chase Claypool just because of the upside. Yeah, I mean, you guys did it right on that. If it's PPR, you got to go Cole Beasley. If not, then uh, they take the Even upside. Even PPR, I'm still going Chase Claypool. Really? Yeah, Chase Claypool has, has such huge upside that I, I think that he could dominate. I think that they're going to look at him early and often. He's entering year two. He's shown what he can do. It's time for him to take that next step. I think that he will. The Steelers are always producing wide receivers. But, uh, yeah, I'd say PPR, go Cole Beasley, not go uh, our boy. You know, see, I, cool. I, wanted, I need to know if, if this is like a draft question or if this is a matchup question. Because if this right. is just for week one, then, yeah, obviously that's going to change. But if it's for the season, I think that's what I'm saying with Claypool. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Obviously, but regardless yeah, of draft, oh, okay. Claypool, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? All right, now yeah. our next question is from Florida Skins fan Sean, our guy. Uh, just yes. heard some bad news about his father, so if you could – Put out some prayers for Sean and his family. They're oh, going to yeah. need it. Um, Sorry, Sean. Sean is a yeah. great dude who helps out the community. Yeah. Obviously, you guys remember the Dallas, um, Dallas and his uh, 
parents, James and Lindsay, that we uh, talked about before last week. Yeah. Now, his question for us is, who starts an NFL game first this season, Cam Newton or Taylor Heineke Reed? Oh, that is a good one. I'm going to go with Taylor Heineke. Uh, Cam Newton's not on a roster yet, and – I don't know, man. Uh, judging from what I've heard, all the reports saying that Mac Jones was teaching him the offense, I don't know how many people are going to want to take a flyer on him right now. I, I think that he will eventually get picked up, but I'm going to go with Taylor Heineke because, look, he's only one of them guys on the roster right now. And uh, he's Fitzpatrick can be hot and cold. We know that the fan base, as soon as Fitzpatrick throws a couple picks, he's going to be begging for Heineke. So uh, I'm going to say Taylor Heineke. Now, I'll say Cam Newton, and the reason being is that probably injury-based, a uh, team will be forced to sign him and that he'll be put into the starting lineup immediately um, in case of that happening. Because with Taylor, you're kind of banking on an injury happening with Ryan. Not 100% sure of that when that will happen because I don't expect Ryan to play so poorly enough to the point where Taylor has to come in. So if the only way Taylor's going to be starting is if there is a possible injury. I don't want that knock on wood. So if with Cam Newton, though, I do think that team will be an emergency situation and will need to bring somebody in. Possibly like with a COVID outbreak, if their quarterback room goes uh, sour, they need to bring yeah, in right. a vet right away. Cam Cam's Newton. not vaccinated. Yeah, but <laughs> they're not bringing him in with a COVID outbreak. Well, no, that's fine. Well, if you have all three quarterbacks out. And you need a quarterback. You better. It's better to start. Cam then they'll Newton. be like as as soon as he comes into our building, he's gonna catch it. So, <laughs> no, not if he's not near them. But no, they, regardless, Cam would be probably a very very good COVID uh, replacer for anybody. I would definitely see him doing it. Over. What about you, Hall? Yeah, I'm gonna go Heineke. I just think that uh, it's not even really like the biggest damning part about Mac Jones reportedly teaching Cam Newton the playbook. Which I mean, Cam Newton was there with the playbook last year, so I don't really know how much of that is true. Yeah. But it's probably because Josh McDaniels was using a different playbook last season because exactly. he, he's like a typical pro-style offense, and that's why it's not Cam Newton was a problem last year. It's Josh McDaniels, but regardless, keep going. Yeah, but uh, I still yeah. think it's going to be Heineke just for the simple fact of the great Cam Newton basically got beat out by a rookie, and that's like the most damning part to me that yeah. – Cam Newton's not really like the great Cam Newton. That obviously the injury is taking a toll. Even if you look at him now, it kind of looks like he's like still playing like a little bit injured, a little bit nicked up here and there, shoulder injury, something like that. So I just think that for him to get on a roster, he's going to have to be started as a backup. And I don't think that he wants to be a backup. Yeah. Obviously injuries can come. He can pop on a roster. But even still, I just think that it seems to go out there, go with a guy that's already on the roster as opposed to Cam Newton who threw for eight touchdowns last year. That's granted. <laughs> now the last one. Never going to let that go. Stay with you, Hall. Which Washington football team rookie and which NFL rookie has the biggest impact week one? Washington football rookie week one. And NFL. One rookie from yeah, yeah, each yeah. to make the biggest impact week one. Uh, NFL league-wide, I will go. I think Kyle Pitts is going to have a huge game. I knew you are going to go with him, but I think he's going to have a huge game against the Eagles. I think that Matt Ryan is poised for a huge year, throwing the ball in the air, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, uh, Russell Gage. I think that offense is going to be, especially with Arthur Smith calling the plays for them, I think that offense is going to be uh, high-powered. Uh, Washington football team rookie, I will go I'll go Sam Cosby for the simple fact that if you got a guy like Joey Bosa going up against you, he's been – well-seasoned going up against Chase Young and Montez Sweat all through the uh, offseason. So for this offense to be any type of near productive on Sunday, you're going to have to have Sam Cosme 
doing a hell of a job going against Joey Bosa. Yeah, which Washington, Ooh. which NFL rookie do I think has the biggest impact week one? And I'll think that will be Javante Williams, the running back from Denver. They're going, uh, they're going up against the Giants. Um, obviously, the Giants' defense is pretty good, but the fact being is those goal line touches, I think Javante could have a multiple touchdown game to start the season, and he could have the biggest impact. Now, for Washington, I think it's Benjamin St. Juice, and the reason being is that because L.A.'s wide receivers are generally taller, bigger, fast guys. You talk Mike Williams, uh, we, Keenan Allen being a bigger guy, Jared Cook, and then um, having, I forget, or even forget his name, uh, Pasham, whatever his name is, um, Parnum being the backup tight end there for them as well. They're bigger guys. And Benjamin St. Juice using his length, that'll that'll come in handy on Sunday. So I think he'll be a huge asset going against his big wide receivers. I think he'll have the biggest impact this weekend. Yeah, you guys all had some good ones. and most, You guys took a lot of mine. But obviously, I'm going to go with an obvious one for us, Jamin Davis, just because Hall already talked about it. The linebacker position is going to be so important. We've struggled with tight ends. We've struggled with mobile quarterbacks. We've struggled with pass-catching pass running backs. we struggled to stop the big play. I think Jamin Davis is brought in here for a reason, and that reason is to use his athleticism to help stop those things. Uh, league-wide, it's kind of tough to say. I like where both of you guys went. I was going to go Kyle Pitts, but I'm going to go somewhere even easier right now. I'm going to say Trevor Lawrence. I really think that Trevor Lawrence is mm. going to completely change that offense down there. I think, obviously, we don't know what Urban Meyer is going to do, but I just think that you've seen his – natural ability and his repertoire is chemistry with uh, Marvin Jones. I think LaVisca Chenault's going to have a big year, and I really think that that Jaguars offense is a chance to be really good. Yeah, that's a good pick by you, Zach Wilson. Honorable mention as well. Now, our yeah. next question from Orange Crush 92 which always has great questions, and this one's fantastic. What is y'all's opinion on Saquon Barkley? Taking into account with his injury history and how he's played after and before the injury, how much of a threat will he be this year versus us? So Saquon Barkley, I will go and say, is the most talented running back in the NFL when he is healthy. When Saquon Barkley is healthy, I think he is. Is he the best running back in the NFL? No. Um, but he's definitely the most talented just in terms of natural athleticism, in terms of what you see. He's so patient. He catches the ball so well. He does everything great. Um, but that injury really scares you. But uh, if he can come back healthy, he's going to be a huge part of that Giants offense, and that's terrifying to think about. Yeah, and I think he's a big threat for the Giants because, to be perfectly honest with you, I think their offense is going to go back to relying around him completely. They're not going to have their offensive line. The offensive line's in shambles. They're having to pick, guy off, pick guys off the street already, and this is a 17-game season. We haven't even gotten into it yet. Um, so I do think that Saquon will be the passing game and running game until they can get that offensive line figured out because it's all going to be quick stuff. Um, so I do think that he is a threat because you don't want to – you don't want to overlook Saquon because Saquon can take you by surprise. But the fact is, I'll say this, I do think he's a threat enough to the point where this team should be looking at, as a defensively, they should be looking at the Giants and saying, we have to stop Saquon, make Daniel Jones beat us. And I think that's the best avenue for them to go down yeah, right now. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, um, I do think he's a threat against us because if you look back at the history against us and Saquon Barkley, outside of that one game, he's pretty much destroyed us by himself. Yep. But uh, yeah, as far as like, the rest of the season goes, I think they're going to slowly but surely ease him back in. Mm. I think by week like five, six, he'll be a full go back to the hundred percent Saquon Barkley. And in, in this day and age, like guys come back from ACLs like that, so mm. I do think he'll be back to the regular normal Saquon Barkley, explosive, athletic Saquon Barkley. It might take a little bit, but hmm. I would definitely be worried because again, like I said, 
he just likes to come out and just destroy our defense every time he plays us. Yeah, that's a very good point. Now our next question is from loyal fan Tony Franchise. He says, the word around town is that Jared Patterson has been working out with Brian Mitchell on returns. Could he become the new version of Brian Mitchell Hall? Uh, I hope so. Brian Mitchell is a Washington slash Redskins legend and one of the best returners in the game. Should be in the Hall of Fame, if you ask my opinion. But, yeah, I mean, look, return game has been kind of lacking for this team ever since pretty much the Brandon Banks days. And even every time Brandon Banks ran the ball back, it was always a penalty, got called back. Mm -hmm. So I think that uh, Jared Patterson showed in the preseason that he's capable of returning kicks on kickoffs. And who knows, maybe even punts as well. We'll see down the road. But I definitely think that working with Brian Mitchell is a huge positive for Jared uh, Patterson. Yeah, and obviously that being an area of necessity for the Washington football team and being an upgrade, that's awesome to hear that Brian Mitchell, who is one of the Washington all-time greats, that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. Um, do I think that he could be a version of him? Yes, absolutely. I think Jarrett Patterson is just looking for an opportunity to get the ball in his hands, and that's the kind of person that I like a lot. Um, so could he be the new version of Brian Mitchell? I don't think so because it's Brian Mitchell. Not that many people are like Brian Mitchell just hearing to him talk let alone seeing what he does on the football field. But I do think uh, Jarrett Patterson could be a running back that is util utilized on special teams and would be an upgrade over what we currently had last season. Right. Yeah. Both. I mean, both of you guys are right. He's a, he, I think he should be in the whole thing. He's one of the greatest return men of all time. One of the most electric of all time. Really. If you break it down before Devin Hester came into the NFL, Brian Mitchell held just about every return record that there was. Yeah. So can he be him? Uh, I would love that, uh, but that's, those are some pretty big shoes to fill. But the dude's definitely got the talent. We see him every time he's got the ball in his hands, man. He, he seems to be a spark plug, and that's really what you want out of a return man. So I hope so. Yep, and our next question is from our big fan, number one draft pick last night, Brandon Reinbold, Mies 21. He wants to know, Reed, man. what are our opinions on, on Curtis Samuel being back at practice? How did he look? Does the injury seem to linger? I mean, obviously they are easing him into it. Uh, from the, a couple of videos that I've seen of him running routes, I, I couldn't tell if he was running full speed or not, so I don't know if it's going to linger, but I, I just know that those injuries do tend to linger. But I think this coaching staff is smart. They're going to ease him into it. They're not going to rush him back and risk losing him for the season or, or risk this lingering for the season. So I, I don't think that you're going to see him as much as we thought originally in week one, but you're still going to see a good amount of Curtis Samuel. They're going to design some plays for him. They're going to make sure that they get the ball in his hands. So I'm not too worried about it um, because I trust this coaching staff. It's right on schedule, baby. You know, I've been saying this all summer long. I know that this is an injury that is lingering and everything, but it's if it is, awesome. If not, okay, who cares? Um, <laughs> the, fa the fact is, I think that Ron Rivera is playing this correctly. Brandon Staley did not play any of his starters because he's concerned about injury. Well, Rivera is concerned about allowing the offense to be seen and what's going on. And so him keeping Curtis Samuel back, which completes the puzzle of what this offense is without that piece you can't really tell what this offense is like not until that piece is in there and that is Curtis Samuel the way that he's going to be used as a gadget guy it's Scott Turner's guy you can't really replicate what this offense will do without him so they did it a smart way by saying yeah you look at our starters this is what will possibly look like but then when Curtis Samuel gets rolled out this weekend it's like holy crap we weren't expecting that we did not see that and so they did what Brandon Staley is doing, but not to the extreme measure of nobody starting. They did it to the one piece that everyone would be able to figure out what their offense was, and they did that the correct way. I'm not overly concerned. I think Curtis Samuel will be ready to go as soon as he steps on the field because the one thing that the coach said was that he was not 
overly concerned about Curtis having full practices in order for him to be a full go on Sunday, which tells me he's ready to freaking go. This is just all a thing to make sure to give him time, more than enough time to get back, so it's not something you have to deal with later on down the road. Take enough time, let us focus on our guys, and that's exactly what you're seeing right now. Yeah, um, I'm not going to say I'm, like, overly concerned. I'm There's, like, a little pinch of concern in there. Just for the simple fact of it's a groin injury, it's a soft tissue injury, and whenever a receiver or a speed agility guy position has a soft tissue injury or a groin injury, it can always pop up and linger here and there. You could wake up sore the next day or not. Who knows? But uh, as far as playing week one, I'm probably – I'm about 99% sure he's going to be there week one. Yep. I'm expecting at least like seven to ten touches for Curtis Samuel. And like Ooh. you said, they've been, they've been holding him out on the offense. He's the missing piece of this offense. He's the chess piece. You can move everywhere, put him everywhere. So, yeah, like I said, I definitely think that uh, they already have some plays drawn up for him. They're going to scheme him up. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I expect at least between like seven to ten touches. And this is a great question, Hall. I'm going to stay back with you. Me's next question is, with Peyton Barber being picked up by the Raiders, who fills the RB4 spot, Lamar Miller or someone else? Um, I'm pretty sure we signed Jonathan Williams to the practice squad to kind of be that fourth running back. So I would assume that – he was gonna. He will pick up the role. I think he's from the. Uh, he played with the Colts. I think uh, one season or something like that. Yep. So uh, yeah, Jonathan Williams. Hopefully, won't have to ever have to get called up to the to the fifty three man roster. But mm-hmm. I think they signed him to be that kind of short orders Peyton Barber type guy. Yeah, and that, that's a great question, Meese. Because did they solidify that running back room by getting Jonathan Williams as the fourth? I'm not sure, but we have to take into consideration Jonathan Williams did last longer than Lamar Miller. Um, which goes to show how much confidence they do have Jonathan Williams. So I would much rather have Jonathan Williams there on the practice squad in relief than Lamar Miller. I trust what they think. Randy Jordan is a veteran coach in this league. He knows running backs better than anybody. I trust what he's saying in that room. Yeah. I mean, you guys both kind of hit the nail on that with that one. There's not really – and that's all there is to say about that. Now the next question is from Tony Shivers, our guy. He wants to know, what are your thoughts on the matchup against the Chargers' revamped offensive line? And Bulaga is already banged up? Right. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be interesting. I think that that's obviously one of the keys to the game. You're going to hear every analyst talk about it, um, especially the matchup with Chase Young versus Rayshon Slater. We know that the, about their battles in college. Rayshon's done very well against Chase Young, but he's a rookie. Chase has a lot more in his arsenal now. He's got Montez Sweat on the other side of him. It's, he's dangerous. And, and look, we talked about Storm Norton going in there, and Storm Norton, he, I would be worried if I was the Chargers and he played, but I'd also be worried just in, if Brian Balaga plays because he's injured and somebody God, that's you that older. Steal my thoughts. Like, literally, I'm, like, waiting for you to be done so I can rip that out, and, of course, you but steal it. Somebody like that, I mean, going up against these freak athletes, I mean, that's he's already not the most athletic offensive tackle in the world, so I would be very worried if I was, if I was the Chargers. Yes, that is an advantage for the Washington football team, like you so well put earlier if Bulaga's injured and let's we don't know what his injury is what we could probably look right. up and find out what it is but most likely it's probably lower I think body. it's a broken heart <laughs> it's probably lower body <laughs> something like that and if you're having to go against Montez Sweat who runs a 4-3 with his quickness and size and length you you're gonna need to be 100% to be perfectly honest with you and so either way I feel like Washington fans should be good feel good about that matchup and the offensive line in particular I know Corey Lindsley is a very respected center in this league but I, I love our guys, and I know how good our guys are and how much hell and havoc that they bring every time they're on the football field. I'm feeling good about our guys, Tony. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be another key uh, part to this matchup is going to be the RD line versus the O line versus their offensive line. Can we get pressure on Justin Herbert? Can we collapse that pocket from the inside with guys like Matt Ioannidis, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen? So I definitely think that uh, our D-line is up to the task. I think that Montez Sweat and Chase Young are going to have themselves a day, whether it be Brian Belaga. Like you said, if he's injured, I love Chase Young at 100% against a guy that's not 100%. And if it's Storm Norton, I love any of our linemen against a guy named Storm Norton. But, uh, yeah. At the end of the day, I think that uh, in the trenches is going to be where the game is won. And I'll take four first-round picks over a patchwork offensive line, which is going to be good, but I got faith in our guys. Yeah, and Tony's last question is a, is a funny one that only Reed would appreciate. Um, he, how wild is it that we have two white wide receivers and a white cornerback? <laughs> he said we just need to sign Peyton Hillis. Yeah, pretty much. Or uh, Laird like or whatever from the Dolphins. The waiver wire. Yeah, yeah, it was a Rex Burkhead, something yeah. like that. You know what I'm saying? All right. Not, but Jake hey, Funk, we can get him from the Rams. There you go. Come on Troy, home, Jake. Dang, yeah. Troy Apke is uh, the first white cornerback in the NFL since 2002. Jason Seahorn. Jason so. Seahorn, yeah. hey, we're setting trends here in Washington. We <laughs> surely are. All right, everybody. I'm Kyle. I'm Hulk. I am getting abused by my son. <laughs> All right, everybody. And we will be back again on Thursday with a brand new show wrapped up where we're really going to look into the matchup on Sunday. We'll have better insights into the injuries and designations and who's going to play more. So excited to get that up for you guys. Thank you so much for all of your questions. Thank you to the hog farmers for supplying us with little warriors for pediatric cancer awareness month. Can't thank you guys enough for doing that. All right, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday. Washington football. Hey. Peace. Hey, what's up everybody? It's Kyle. I just wanted to say thank you so much for watching. And if you liked what you saw, make sure you hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. That way you get notified when anything new is uploaded to the channel. Also, we just launched theburgundyzone.com. You can go there and find all of our latest news, articles, and the latest episodes that are uploaded. Again, we also have the Discord chat server, where all of our VIP folks are in, like Andy Burroughs, Scott Hartley, Sergio Martin is in there as well. Don't miss out on the Discord chat server. Go and check that out. Until next time, everybody, watching the football. Hey!